Good afternoon. Welcome to the third episode of the Medical Sports Nutrition Podcast with me, Dr. Andy Matheson. Today we're going to be looking at the subject of the microbiome and uh, three or four articles on probiotics. The first one will just be a general chat through uh, probiotics, the microbiome, and a little bit of history, just so we're all understanding the context where we're working from here. And then we'll look at a couple of recent articles and a couple of review papers. So, uh, the first article I want to talk about isn't a nutrition article. What it is, is I think the best summary I've seen of what makes understanding all this microbiome research so difficult in some of the areas we have to be particularly careful about uh, making assumptions about what we're reading about in in the articles. Um, since there's been this explosion in microbiome related research and the push with probiotics and a sort of improvement how we understand how they might work, um, it's almost impossible to keep up with the number of papers um, that are coming out. However, whilst there has been a sort of initial explosion in interest, in interesting studies, animal models, it's been much slower seeing changes in practice come through. In sports nutrition, what we tend to see is people recommending probiotics, pushing certain strains through, but there's a lot of sort of terminology used that gives away the fact that people don't really understand what they're talking about. People say things like strong probiotics, um, people will talk about um, probiotics and prebiotics and microbiome and microbiota uh, in, in ways where you think, ah, they, they haven't quite picked up what's going on here. So the first thing just to be aware of what is the microbiome and, and why is it suddenly come on our radar? And that's a fascinating story. It's uh, as uh, sort of PCR and um, sort of techniques for picking out and looking at, at DNA and RNA improved, we started to realize that when we sampled um, stool and in the GI tract, there was a huge volume of DNA that didn't match up with what we knew was there from the more traditional microbiology methods of taking a swab, sticking it on different types of agar plate, and very much gardening out the bugs. And that kind of difference, uh, people very carefully thought, very sensibly thought was well it's probably just going to be stuff that we're not good enough to culture out there's bacteria viruses fungi that we just can't grow in the lab and so have never been able to study and this started to be referred to as microbial dark matter uh, sort of 15 years ago then as time moved on we started to be able to use these uh, DNA um, methods to say, actually, I can match this group of 
bunch of DNA that we, we don't really know what it is to a certain bacteria. And so I know then that that bacteria is actually in the bowel in much greater numbers than we'd ever thought. And then we start to build it up with, with lots of them and even started to be able to figure out what some of the functions of those bacteria were. And that's come through with um, what's often referred to as the omics methods, these developments and the ability to kind of look at the different types of protein that are produced due to the different metabolites that are being produced um, and do it in a way where you're not just looking at one particular chemical, but able to test for a sort of a vast array and actually see what's there rather than going looking for one particular thing. And, and that's left us pretty much where we are now, which is we discovered a huge amount, but there's still a few issues with, with what we know. The first one is, as this is still developing, everyone tests for the microbiome in a slightly different way. And unless you have a very good understanding of the different methods being used, you won't be able to understand the difference between one study and another and the methods they've used and what important factors that means that you might miss. The second thing is that we still don't know what all that DNA that's there is. There's areas where we're, we're completely clueless. There's areas where we can find DNA, but they don't match sequences that we've got on our records at the moment. And then there's areas where we can match a sequence, but we still don't quite know what function that performs. And that can be as high as 30 to 40%, depending on what you read. If you want a really nice summary of this, as I was saying, it, there's an article from 2019 in BMC Biology called Multiple Levels of the Unknown in Microbiome Research. And I think it's a really useful, and I always have it open when I'm reading a, a microbiome article, because it just reminds me of how big those known unknowns and unknown unknowns are and how, how I have to take everything else that I'm reading with a little pinch of salt. So let's move on to the two articles that I've chosen. And I've chosen both of these, not because I think they're particularly going to change what you do, but they're just gonna give you an idea of where we might be going with research in the future. So the first one is in Frontiers in Nutrition, and it's called The Effect of Lactobacillus Plantarum CQPCO2 on Fatigue and Biochemical Oxidation Levels in a Mouse Model of Physical Exhaustion. And this is an animal model, uh, people doing slightly mean swim studies to mice, um, and uh, we know ant ant mice models are pretty decent for the microbiome, and unfortunately we are still very reliant on animal models for, for some of the work that, that goes on here, um, looking at the microbiome and uh, they're, they're definitely we're well off uh, human studies doing everything. But essentially with this, they were just given a bacteria that they felt was important in the fermented food of the Chinese pickle. Now, there's already a reasonable bit of evidence showing that Chinese pickle, like many fermented foods, seems to have a number of, of very positive effects on the human body. Um, whether that's absorption of nutrients, which would interest us, improved intestinal function, 
possibly cholesterol levels, cholesterols, uh, and maybe the wrong thing to be looking at, um, blood lipids, um, and what they've decided to do is just do an array of biochemical tests on mice that they've made swim very hard, taking vitamin C, and mice that they've made swim very hard, having taken this extracted lactic acid bacillus. Why haven't they just given them pickle? Uh, well, I guess uh, one reason is it's very difficult then to be sure what exactly um, in control for what what um, might be in the pickle and what bacteria might be having the effect. Uh, I don't like that because part of the point of the fermented foods and why they're probably better than probiotics is there's a wild and wonderful mixture of bacteria in there. Um, and so if you're a bit more cynical, you might say, well, they've, they've picked out a bacteria because then that's something that they can, they can patent and sell on a probiotic. Um, and essentially, uh, to cut it short, the, there's a, the, what they show is that um, the lactid uh, acid bacteria seem to have an anti-fatigue and uh, antioxidation effect, seem to have a sort of a positive impact on the hepatic glycogen reserves and skeletal muscle glycogen reserves. Now, is this going to change particularly what I'm doing. Again, a bit like that beetroot study we talked about before. I think I will encourage someone that likes fermented foods and pickles to, to look at the Chinese pickle and say this might be something you might enjoy. As with anything that seems to have a impact on blunt measures of um, uh, inflammation, there's always that question of, well, but what if you're turning off inflammation that we're trying to induce to induce to induce a training adaptation? Uh, the human system is so complicated. Is this all going to be positive? Uh, because of that, it's it's not suddenly something that I would start throwing at my or my athletes. But again, interesting, and, and what I like is it's just that little idea of, well, where are we going with some of these things? And moving on to the next study now, and the bit there that some of you would have just, just picked up on is this, this idea of um, improving absorption, and that's where the next study goes to that we're looking at. It's... Um, in Probiotics and Antimicrobial Protein Journal. It's called Probiotic Administration Increases Amino Acid Absorption from Plant Protein, a Placebo-Controlled Randomized Double-Blind Multicenter Crossover Study. And it's a look at 15 athletes that are given a probiotic and whether or not they seem to absorb some amino acids better. Um, bottom line up front, they did. Uh, however, not going to be something that will really change, I think, what you're doing because uh, too many flaws. Um, the first one, and um, uh, always, always a difficult one, is that two of the authors are employed by the manufacturer. Only 15 um, patients in it. And the thing that for me, I feel they need to do if N is that small, is they need to say, well, what is the gut microbiome of, of all these 15? How is it changed with this probiotic? How long has that change lasted? And then has that change made a difference? 
they've not looked at the microbiome before or afters with any of the subjects if they're not going to do that then they need to be having enough people involved in the study to account for that which will be a lot more expensive and need a lot more than 15 people too many problems to take anything from it but but interesting in in heading the right direction and and currently this is an odd area of research where actually whilst um, the human studies like these that I've read aren't particularly impressive if you google poultry or animal studies of the same type of where farmers are trying to use probiotics or fermented foods to improve absorption um, PubMed just goes nuts. There's so many of them. And so I'm sure at some point all that data and knowledge from the veterinary world will start to creep over into, into the athlete's world. Um, but but not, not yet. Um, and I suppose where are we and, and when are we going to start seeing those sort of key questions answered and studies done in a way we can trust? And that's that's probably where the next article I want to talk about goes into. Um, It's a review and and one where uh, whilst it's a quite a long review it is very um, very thorough and it's called The Athletic Gut Microbiota and it's in the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition and it's one of their kind of summary reviews um, with all the great and the good um, in it. Split into three different areas. Um, The first area Uh, looks mostly at what's um, is there an exercise associated microbiota microbiome and just this idea that we're now all pretty comfy with the fact that there seems to be a slight difference and an increased abundance of of an increased diversity in athletes microbiome. Uh, The next part then is on It's on the exercise and the gut microbiota and how exercise might impact on it. Um, Not really much to add than that other than more research is done. Um, They do touch on this idea that um, could uh, excessive and overtraining um, have a a negative impact on on the gut. And, And then the third bit's just the influence of the gut uh, sort of the diet on the gut microbiota. Um, one of the points there is higher intake of dietary fibre also seems to be um, associated with changes. Uh, and that's where the last article comes in with just what I think is a fantastic uh, summary table in it. It's called the interplay between exercise and gut microbiome in the context of human health and performance. And it's uh, a review article uh, just going through, um, again, the gut microbiome and exercise. It's got some lovely slides in for um, sort of lovely pictures just for kind of summarising what's going on. But the thing I like the most is the table two, which just has a summary of the different types of fibre, whether or not they're soluble or insoluble, and what we think they might um how they might impact uh the microbiome and the the genes that may be required for it from bacteria so uh, actually starting to give us a break down this idea of just all fibers good or all fibers bad so that that's the articles for today so just a, a fascinating subject one where 
it's hard to advise what's right or wrong because essentially we don't know yet. But we're just starting to see creeping through articles that are sort of asking the right questions, uh, and but not quite yet giving us the answers. And and hopefully we'll we'll soon over the next few years be getting those answers as well. Hope you have a fantastic rest of the day um, and manage to get some training and some good food in. That's all from me. Goodbye. <laughs>